Welcome to the Out of the Basement Podcast, a show where a group of friends get together and talk about a variety of geeky topics. Find out what shows we've been watching, find out what movies we've seen, find out what games we're playing. Come along and join us. We hope you enjoy the show. All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Out of the Basement Podcast. This is our first episode recorded in 2021. My name, as always, is Devin Turak, and today I'm joined by Patrick Gleason. Hello. Paul Sanders. Hello. Patrick Ramsahoy. Hello. And Dwayne McKinnon. Hi. So, uh, New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Um, I know it's near the end of it's the end of January that we're actually finally recording, but still, welcome to 2021. And let's jump straight into our normal segments. Segment one, our month in the hobby since our last recording. Yeah, um, we've been we've been averaging a month, so it's it really is a month in the hobby. Yeah, yeah. I think one one a month is pretty good for us. Uh, so yeah. let's start with Paul. What do you got going? What do I have going next to nothing, to be honest? I've been working such ridiculous hours that I've just been so exhausted that I get home and <clears throat> I go to sleep. <laughs> I don't do, I'm not doing a whole much. I, I, I've been dabbling with Division 2 still, and I guess I'm starting to get into Vermintide 2 a fair bit. Playing with the rest of us, with well, the rest of you guys on uh, the steaming or Streaming. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Steam game, sorry. It's a Steam game. But, uh, streaming Tuesdays. It's a steaming pile of shit, okay? We're going with that. It's good. I don't know about it with yes. you guys, because, I mean, only half of us are playing that. Well, yeah, I know, but uh, Dev and Pat are there, so, yeah. you know, that's... That's... Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> get, get a good computer and it can be important too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one that's not like 17 years old or something. Uh-huh. Um, oh, it was, it was top it of was line when I got it. 17 years ago, yes. yes. <laughs> Technology advances, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I don't know. That's, I haven't been doing a whole lot. <clears throat> you did something Nothing. yesterday. Well, yeah, okay, we finally finished off our Pendragon, but I figured you wanted to talk about that since you've been running it for 25 years. Yeah, okay. Granted, <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'll expand upon that when we, when we get to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, for me, there hasn't been much. It's This COVID thing is hitting everything hard, and socialization is just not high on the list of things to do these days. So... That's pretty much it for me. I haven't done anything interesting. Okay, well then let's move on to Mac. What have you been up to? Uh, I did want to mention one thing uh, to Paul, since it's his segment. Hmm. Um, if you go on the Netflix website, you can see all your viewing activity. Oh, everything. Okay. I'll, we'll talk about it later. Okay, thank you. All right. Okay, so me. Yeah. All right. Well, I've actually in the gaming world, uh, I've I've uh, actually gotten into two new games, which is a very unusual thing for me. Uh, so, Civilization VI actually uh, had a sale on uh, their two uh, DLCs, Rise and Fall and Gathering Storm, uh, where they actually were at a reasonable price. Finally, you know, when Gathering Storm was going on sale, it was still in the thirty dollar range, and I was able to get those two DLCs for under twenty five. So I've been giving that a try. Um, 
I've uh, only been playing as uh, Wilfred Laurier of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our Canada's uh, big advantage is that we can uh, expand into the tundra. Our special military unit is the RCMP. And our special building are ice, ice hockey rinks. <laughs> uh, we get big <laughs> bonuses on diplomacy. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, been kind of interesting. Uh, so, it is. So every yeah. Canadian stereotype you can imagine. Oh, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, let's see. Uh, it includes uh, natural disasters now. That's what uh, Gathering Storms all about. So... I've had to deal with drought now and then. Uh, there have been some volcanic eruptions nearby. When you're settling near a river, you have, also have to watch out whether or not it's a floodplain. If you're uh, settling on a coastal city or in the coastal area, <clears throat> it actually tells you um, when, when climate change happens and uh, the ice caps start melting and uh, the oceans are rising, uh, this is how this is how much longer this square is going to last than the ones around it. So this might be a better place for you to build sort of an idea. So that that's interesting. Um, I only have been playing it for a little while, so I haven't gotten very far. Uh, really gotten past the medieval age. Well, sorry, I just got into Renaissance. So, uh, you know, exactly how the game goes with the new, uh, new uh, technologies and wonders are really can't say because I haven't gotten very many of them. Uh, the other game that I've been playing is the uh, the online MMO of uh, Neverwinter. So it's basically Neverwinter Nights, but it's the online massive multi massively multiplayer version of it. Um, it's not quite what I was expecting because it doesn't follow D&D &D quite as close as I thought it, it would. Uh, for example, I'm twelfth uh, level, and I'm right near the beginning of everything. Sorry, I'm not twelfth level. I'm eleventh, right on the edge of twelfth. Uh, you don't have a whole lot of control over um, how your character develops. As I've gotten my levels, I've gotten powers, but I don't get a choice of what power to get or anything like that. Um, and the uh, economy is very different because. Uh, uh, at 12th level, my wealth is uh, 43 silver pieces and 84 copper pieces. You get, you do get uh, two characters that you can start with, or two character slots you can start with, but if you want any more, you actually have to spend uh, in-game gold uh, to buy additional slots. So, um, which, which costs real money? Uh, not as far as I can tell. It okay. is a free-to-play game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you could spend real money. That's how free-to-play often makes their their money. But uh, uh, it did say that it was in-game gold, but it's something like 240 gold. And like I said, I've got 43 silver and 84 copper right now at 12 <laughs> level. So uh, I think it's going to be a long time before I have enough to be able to Hey, now you know what it's like for us to in your game. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the character I created, uh, uh, the two characters I created was uh, a half-elven uh, warlock, and uh, I also created a drow paladin. And, uh, break out, or break through the uh, stereotypes with that one. Um, Game-wise, or tabletop game-wise, we still have the uh, regular D&D &D adventure going on. Uh, the party has uh, 
been advised that they should try and figure out what's going on with the uh, usurping emperor uh, because uh, they're what they really need to do is uh, kind of break the uh, empire's trust in him rather than uh, continuing on with an open warfare rebellion because the uh, the enemy is actually responding faster than they expected. Uh, so the party is trying to get to the emperor's uh, homeland to try and investigate him a little stronger. Along the way, they uh, got distracted by, oh, there's a scent of magic in the air, in the water, because they're actually traveling through underwater caverns. <clears throat> and uh, they found the source of that uh, magic, and it appears to be a uh, uh, some uh, abolis in stasis that they are now having to fight. And the party is on the ropes. Uh, Patrick's uh, barbarian, Frog, was the uh, only one who was left out of the fight because Patrick wasn't able to make it to the last session. Uh, and so the party is looking at this uh, barbarian to come in and save the day from all these mind-controlling monsters that uh, they're facing. Yeah, and send a half-orc barbarian to avoid the mind-controlling people. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Because will is will is your strongest save, right? Oh yes, yes. <laughs> Should be perfectly fine. There's not a mind there to control, so. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that that's where the uh, game's going, and we're actually going to be finishing off that battle. Hopefully. Uh, as for things that I've been watching um, on Netflix, I started uh, a show called the Edun Chronicles. I D H U N Chronicles. Um, basically, there, you've got this boy who, it turns out, is descended from magic users from another world, and uh, that's, that world is under the control of a tyrant who sends agents to try and get him. Uh, his family gets slaughtered, and just before it's his turn to get slaughtered, he gets rescued by some rebels, and, and now he's joining up with the rebels. And I only watched the one episode of it, the first episode, uh, so I can't really tell you much beyond that. Uh, I also started... Uh, uh, Demon Slayer, uh, which is brand new to Netflix this month. Um, this is something that uh, if you've been watching cosplay for the last little while, you've seen some of the characters, uh, particularly uh, his sister. So basically a, a boy is uh, living out up in the mountains with his family. He goes down to the village to sell some uh, charcoal uh, and uh, ends up having to stay too long there. Is uh, is on his way back and told, no, you can't go back. It's too dangerous to go through the woods. There's demons out there. So he stays uh, a friend. Who, and then when he finally does make it home, he finds that his family's been slaughtered. And uh, the only survivor is his sister, uh, who unfortunately has been infected by demon blood. So she's turning into a demon herself. And so if you've seen this character from the show, uh, this girl who's dressed in Japanese clothes and... Uh, has a uh, like a bar gag across her mouth. Uh, that's his sister from this character from this show. Uh, she wears that gag because, as a demon, she wants to eat people. But uh, that gag is preventing her from eating people. Once she actually does eat somebody, then she'll be too far gone. So, does she need right. to drink though? Then, uh, I they don't really go into what she needs to do because I don't think she ever takes the gag out. So she obviously uh, doesn't eat or drink. Uh, did she but, talk then? How did she talk? 
she doesn't it's talk grunts either. and yeah i was gonna say mm. yeah that, that's pretty much what she does because mm -hmm. uh she as because she's possessed by a demon now she can't really talk anyhow uh, so the boy's trying to become a demon slayer, and uh, uh, the demon slayer that, that did kind of direct him towards that path uh, discovered that the sister was actually more willing to protect the boy than to try and eat him, and was thinking, oh, there may be something special about her. Maybe she can be brought back like he like he. What was that? Being allowed to travel with him. And I can't what... remember the character's names. Uh, what was the first, the first uh, one you talked about? The Edun Chronicles, I D H U N. Uh, a live action show that I watched on Netflix is Alice in Borderland. This is another Japanese one. It's dubbed, so and the voices and the uh, action of, or the way their mouths move is very much like uh, the old Godzilla movie. So this story is about three friends uh, who get into a bit of trouble with the police in Tokyo. Um, they they're trying to escape and uh there's a big flash of light and then all of a sudden tokyo is completely empty they're all by themselves um and uh, they discover that uh while they're in this empty tokyo they have to play these uh deadly games uh in order to uh collect these cards uh and they do discover that there are other people in the same predicament that you know had been in uh, tokyo and all of a sudden they're not um but they all seem to have come at different times. So it seems like time works a little different. Um, and so the uh, series, it, it's based on a graphic novel rather than a manga. Um, that, yeah, they have to go through these death games and uh, collect these cards. And uh, they're working under the assumption that once they collect all the cards, they'll be able to get back to the real world. Um, I'm watching that just, right now, actually. It's quite good. Oh yeah, it is. It is actually a very good show. Yeah, I I, I enjoyed it all the way through. Uh, and it it there will be a second season most likely the way it ended. So they they don't actually uh, fi figure out how to get out of out of the situation, but they do understand the situ world a, a little better by the time they get to the end. Um, the last couple of days I binged watched. Uh, uh, an anime called July in April. Uh, this is a uh, middle school romance kind of anime. Uh, so you've got this uh, boy, uh, Arama, who uh, is a, a prodigy with the piano, uh, but he was he was abused mentally and physically by his terminally ill mother. So when she dies, he loses his connection to his music. Um, and that lasts until he meets uh, this girl, Kaori, uh, who's a violin prodigy, and uh, and so they, there's a bit of a love triangle angle to everything as he's re rediscovering his music through her. Um, it is a very tragic story, uh, so be aware of that if you decide to get into it. But it it is uh, it is a really nice story as well. Uh, Unrelated to genre stuff, uh, we did just uh, watch The Dig, which just dropped a few days ago on Netflix. This is a movie. Uh, it's got uh, Ralph Finnis in it as uh, as a, as Basil Brown, who's an excavator at archaeological sites. Uh, and so this uh, widow who owns a big mansion has uh, these mounds on her property, and so she hires him to 
excavate them and investigate what their historical significance is. Uh, and uh, the, he discovers that there's a, an ancient ship that was part of a burial underneath one of these mounds. Uh, and this is based on a true story. And it's all taking place right at the on the eve of World War II. Uh, so it it's uh, if you're interested in archaeology in that time period, it's it's actually a really good move. Uh, oh, another show not genre related, but uh, it really interesting is Blown Away. I don't know if any of you've watched it, but it's basically uh, one of those competition shows. But the competition is all about glass blowing. Uh, so season two just dropped earlier this month. Yeah, Jen was so watching that. Yeah, it's actually a really interesting show. Uh, it's amazing the stuff that they can create. And also just seeing what the finished product looks like compared to what it is as they're building it because uh, the color's completely different once it's cooled. It's on display from when they're, act when they're actually making these, these objects. Uh, it really makes uh, glass blowing a, a very uh, interesting activity. Uh, going on to Prime, I've uh, been watching season five of The Expanse. There's one episode left. Um, this, is, this season is much grander in some ways and uh, very uh, character driven in a lot of other ways because uh, the uh, crew of the Rasanate have uh, gone their separate ways. Uh, that, no yeah, spoilers. no spoilers, man. Spoilers, no, I mean, this, this is all. Uh, it's a spoiler. Well. It's. I don't know. They've well, gone in their separate ways. Yeah, and they're dealing with their own issues. No, no. It, 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 while the greater, larger story is continuing on. Yeah, and that's all I'm going to tell you about it. Yeah, but now I know it's they're already too much. Now I know they're not in the same ship anymore. Thanks. That, <sighs> that happens in like the first five minutes of the first episode of the season. Of season five, which I haven't seen yet. Yeah. I'm not telling oh, you anything. Are you about talking it. Expanse? Yeah. Yes, the Expanse. Um, <clears throat> I was, yeah. Yes, I could. I could relate a whole bunch of stuff about that too. But that's spoilers, so I won't. Do, I won't say anything. See. Mostly because I heard you just berate him, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know nothing about the Expanse. Oh, you should. So I, if you enjoy, oh, it's, it's, it's an incredible. Yeah. It's really great hard sci-fi. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure it is, but I'll likely never get around to seeing it, so I don't really care about spoilers at all. Okay. Uh, Batwoman is the first of the uh, Arrowverse shows that have uh, started up a new season. Uh, so we're into season two. We've got a brand new Batwoman because Rose Leslie has a uh, show. <clears throat> and, yeah, it, it it's okay. Uh I, we have to go a little further to really see if uh, they're definitely um, uh, putting uh, Rose Leslie's character. So Kate Kane is, is very much out of the picture at this point and very unlikely to come back. Though there is room if she ever decides that she wants to come back. Uh, but, uh, she doesn't that's not going to change the way the story i know they're they're very um it's it's very early in the run for second season so i'm sure they haven't gotten into a lot of what the plot for the season is going to be but season one so much of that was about kind of the relationship between her and her sister 
Uh, how are they oh, yeah. dealing with her sister um, in, in the second season? Uh, well, uh, she is still the main villain, but uh, there was another villain that was being hinted at at the end of season one, um, who is now kind of taking on a bit of uh, prominence because Alice is going after her as well. Okay. Because she's basically responsible for Kate Kane's disappearance. And Alice is pissed off about that. Totally throws Alice's plans for uh, getting revenge on her family uh, into chaos. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the new Batwoman has a connection to Alice as well because the new Batwoman's mother was killed by Alice's gang. And so she wants her own vengeance okay yeah. uh the uh the uh, fake bruce wayne that was uh at the end of season one uh is much less of an issue here in season two even though we're only two episodes in uh let's see movies i watched uh on prime last man on earth this is the vincent price version of i am legend uh very different from the omega man I haven't seen the Will Smith version of it yet, so I can't compare that one. Oh, I am legend. Uh, yeah. Um, it's it's kind of interesting seeing uh, Vincent Price as uh, as something of an action hero, because you, you don't really think of him as that. In it. Um. Yeah, the the uh, vampires are are very weak because Vincent Price is able to just toss them around, really much of a threat until they're in a big group. Based on what I know about I Am Legend, uh, this one, I think, well, this one absolutely sticks to the original story a lot better. That's right. Uh, we also watched uh, Antebellum. This is something that uh, Amazon Prime was throwing at us. Uh, uh, so you've got Janelle Monet playing a uh, professor of African-American studies who uh, mysteriously finds herself as a slave on a plantation uh, in the South at the start of the uh, Civil War. There's a lot, 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 lot more going on than just that, uh, but uh, uh, it, it is an interesting, uh, an interesting show, an interesting movie. Uh, another one that Prime is was pushing on us a bit was uh, Shirley. Uh, this is uh, Elizabeth Moss's newest movie. Yes. So uh, she plays the, the titular Shirley, who is uh, an eccentric writer uh, who's kind of going through a dry spell. Uh, her husband uh, teaches English at the local university. Uh, and this young couple, the, the husband is uh, coming in as an associate professor uh, under uh, Shirley's husband and then his wife who's staying with Shirley. Well, the two of them are staying with uh, Shirley and her husband. Uh, Two students are trying to get themselves settled in this university town, and so the, the story is more or less uh, Shirley's relationship with the wife, um, while Shirley tries to use the story of the disappearance of uh, one of the co-eds at the university as the plot for her next great novel. Uh, and there's a lot of interplay because she's kind of using the wife as a stand-in for the character. Uh, and so we get a lot of scenes where we're not too sure is this 
wife that's actually interacting with Shirley, or is it uh, the character that uh, Shirley is creating, taking on the form of? A... Um, so if you if you're kind of into psychological, uh, what's going on and what's happening next, is certainly. Um, and that's uh, most of what's been uh, going on with me in the last month. You can tell you're not you're not working. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yes. let's let's move on to Dwayne. Dwayne, what have you been up to? Um, it's been kind of quiet. Uh, I've actually been watching a small amount of TV lately, which is a switch. Um, Specifically, I've gotten caught up on Legends of Tomorrow from last season. So, that was pretty enjoyable. I liked it. Uh, it's it's a good ensemble cast. You know, I'm, I'm very sorry to see Brandon Routh leave. Uh, but, you know, um, it's, it's been a pretty good ride. Uh, the other show I've been watching is WandaVision. Yeah, I just started that. I haven't actually watched the full parts yet. Yeah, so I'm actually caught up. So I've seen all four episodes to date. Uh, Marvel has taken, and they've, and Feige has said this publicly, they've taken a uh, note out of the Mandalorian playbook, and that's why they've gone with a one episode a week schedule after the two episode premiere a couple of weeks back so they're up to episode four and uh the plot is really starting to get moved forward as of episode four so uh, to be perfectly honest i found the first few episodes a little bit tough going because uh I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I've basically come to loathe sitcoms as an entertainment format. And uh, as has been widely reported, uh, there is an awful lot of homage and paying tribute to classic sitcoms. Yeah. In WandaVision. So, but... Um, it's been worth it. Uh, I'm very uh, impressed with uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. Uh, their chemistry works, in my opinion. And uh, Olsen in particular, she's she is the star. I mean, the whole the show may be called WandaVision, but she is the star and she has an awful lot to do and she's doing it very, very well. So, uh, I look forward to the next episode because I'm very curious as to where things are going to go from here. Um, but that's been largely it as far as, uh, TV goes. Um, 
There is a TV-related tangent in some of the reading I've been doing lately. I just uh, finished a book that I borrowed from the library called Son of a Trickster uh, by a Canadian author, Aaron Robinson, I believe the name is. I could be getting that wrong. If so, my apologies. And the book was turned into a television show by CBC called simply Trickster. And uh, the CBC then turned around and sold it to the CW. And I believe the first <laughs> season is currently airing down in the States. Um, all of the networks in the States, of course, have been severely impacted by COVID-19 shutdowns. And so they're very hungry for content that they can simply plug in and play. And uh, English language Canadian TV shows work rather well in that respect. But unfortunately, uh, there will be no season two of Trickster. Uh, and the reason is a bit out of the ordinary. Uh, it's not that the show performed poorly for the CPC. It actually did quite well from what I understand. Uh, the problem is that the uh, showrunner and the person who brought the property t to television has basically been revealed as fraudulently representing herself as, indig as indigenous for the last 20 years. <laughs> okay. And uh, this came out in a CBC news investigation and what it did, basically, everyone indigenous involved in the production, not not the cast, but involved in production, quit the show. Uh, the author basically went on record as how very upset she was. And the CBC just announced that after consultations with all those people, they decided that uh, they were going to move on to other programming reflecting indigenous stories and that uh, they're just going to walk away from Trickster. <laughs> but the book, while kind of bleak in some aspects and uh, very gritty, uh, was quite an enjoyable book. So there are the library does have the sequel to it, and I think there is a third book either already out or coming out soon. So I've been enjoying that. Um, also on the reading front, I'm continuing uh, my uh, Jim Butcher. The one, yep, yeah. yeah. Uh, deep dive and stuff. Um, I think I'm currently on small favor in the Dresden Files. And I finished the Codex Alara. So that's been fun. Uh, Marvel Unlimited, I'm currently on the week of July 24th, 2013. So that's, I guess the most interesting part there is that uh, we're gearing up towards the death of Wolverine. So I just- Don't worry, he, he comes back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, to, 
be fair to Marvel, they took a long time. True. Before he came back, I think it took about four years. That's almost or, like forever. Or, in around twenty, I think it was around 2017, 2018 before they brought the character back. Yeah. I could be misremembering, but uh, you know, so definitely some fun stuff in there, and that I'm not really sure what I'm thinking of Uncanny Avengers. But, uh, and, you know, Jonathan Hickman is still gearing up towards the big uh, universe-destroying Secret Wars thing. Mm -hmm. I think that comes along in 2015. <laughs> and I'm about to start Infinity, which was another big crossover related somewhat to the Infinity Stones, but not exactly. Um, so yeah, so that's pretty much it as far as comics and everything. Um, I will note, since it's not new news or anything, but, uh, D DC Universe Infinity has launched, oh, unfortunately, still only in the States for yeah. the time being. But uh, I believe the timeline is they are looking at international launches sometime this summer. So, or Jeff will have his Dev will have his way. But yeah, on the gaming side of things, uh, haven't really been doing anything on the video game side except for occasionally loading up Unreal Tournament two thousand four and shooting the heck out of things. Um, in the role-playing game side, uh, the, my West Marches campaign just had one of our big events yesterday. So it was seven hours long, I think, was playing. That's decent. And that and it was days. a lot of fun. Uh, it was basically everyone who wanted to play could play and we got split up into separate tables to try to you know to try to avoid things like uh the novice tier players ending up on a warden tier threat table type thing which would of course not be good <laughs> because novice tier players are squishy so that was a lot of fun uh, my friend uh, Peter has restarted his D&D 5th Ed campaign and moved it online to Roll20 and Peter, Zoom. Peter Great Peter? Peter Great, wow. yes. Wow, he's still in contact with him? That's great. Yep. Yeah, so uh, he's, doing, he's doing well. And that uh, he works down in Cornwall these days uh, where, he's, where he's living uh Ottawa and Cornwall are pretty much equidistant. So, uh, although right now, of course, like so many of us, he is working from home. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, so he's gotten together a bunch of folks that uh, I haven't hung around with in quite some time. So that's, and a few new faces. So... Uh, we started from scratch 
Uh, so my guy is a, now a first level rogue, second level paladin. And it's going to be kind of fun because none of the other players knows he's a paladin yet. <laughs> but uh, now that I'm going to be able to do stuff like uh, uncork Divine Smite a couple of times a day, I think they're going to find out pretty soon. <laughs> and I got and I got to say, in fifth in fifth edition, uh, Divine Smite is wow brutal. It's just crazy. I mean, the the kicker is that you don't have to use it until after you hit. And you can, it's tied to the number of spell slots you have. When you use a Divine Smite, you spend a spell slot. Yes, I know that. Yeah. But the thing is, is that it's damage dice. So if you save it until you actually hit a critical, well, a first level slot gives you 2d8. On a critical, that's 4d8. And my guy uses a rapier, which is also d8. So on a critical, if I divine smite, that would be a total of 68. And then to top it off, he is able to do sneak attacks, which are their own damage dice. <laughs> and so on a critical, it would be 68 plus 2d6. Jeez. <laughs> which is, he's only third level. I mean, like, I'd one-shot myself with a hit like that. <laughs> He's only 23 hit points. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I'm kind of looking forward to that reveal. And I've spent some time and tons of playing around, and so uh, I've got some nice uh, token action activities linked up to make things a little easier on Roll20. Learning to program Roll20 has been kind of fun. Um, we're using the free version, so we don't have API access, but uh, there's still some neat things you can do with uh, Roll queries. And that, uh, you know, Pat has mentioned his ongoing Pathfinder 2e game. Uh, I recently finished up a, a fairly subtle revamp of my guy because, uh, to be perfectly blunt, when I put them together, I didn't really know what I was doing. And when you don't really know what you're doing and you're advancing a guy up to 12th level, certain inconsistencies creep in. <laughs> so that's fixed up and I look forward to seeing what I'll be doing with uh, with Garth going forward. Uh, but that's it for me as far as the past month or so. On to the next. Okay, let's move on to you, Pat. What? 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 Me now? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, wow. Okay, so I'll start off with, I guess, movies uh, in general. Uh, I haven't actually been watching that much because I've been really busy doing a lot of gaming. Um, I watched uh, Altered Carbon, the second season, finally. Went through that. 
I enjoyed it. I, I liked the, the, the first season a bit better, but I, I didn't mind the second season at all. Um, would be nice to see another one, but not going to happen, I don't think. Um, Hotel Artemis, I saw as well. It's not, it's similar to the John Wick sort of things. I thought, I think they're they trying to do another uh, sort of series similar to John Wick. And it, even though it doesn't take place in the world, I could see where people thought it was similar ideas taking place in the world because it's a hotel where people can go uh, if they have the access and get taken care of right away. No questions asked. Yeah. Um, the other thing, of course, is that I think at one time they were planning a continental TV series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so maybe people got confused. Mm -hmm. That we yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, then, um, well, I saw up to season four of The Expanse, plowed through all that, really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm waiting until it's actually all finished before I, I want to watch it, because I want to binge it all in, in a couple of days. Yeah, I hate that, uh, this new practice of, oh, we'll drop the first two episodes or the first three episodes, and then you'll have and to then... wait weekly for the rest of them. Like, fuck you, give it to me now, or don't give it to me at all. Well, there's a reason I went to streaming instead of cable TV. Exactly. Right, I, I want to watch them when I want to watch them and watch them in a whole bunch. I haven't well, seen uh, American it, Gods. It builds buzz. Mm. It builds buzz. I mean, like, The Mandalorian proved that. You had people talking about The Mandalorian week after week. Well, that's that's what they want. That's a good show, though. Um, yeah, but, well, yeah, uh, but, you know, excuse... good is good. If you can get good plus buzz by doing weekly, they're going to do weekly. <laughs> And uh, the, the last episode of season five drops on Tuesday. Yeah. Well, it's still going to be a bit of time because I got a whole bunch going on. Uh, American Gods, I want to watch, but not there yet. Uh, our buddy Eric told me a show I've have to watch because it's right up my alley, and unfortunately, I agreed with him. But again, I have to wait for them all to be out. There's only so many episodes yet. It's called Thirty Coins. It's Spanish, and it's on Crave. It's an older exiled uh, priest who gets sent to a small town and starts to deal with some of the weirdness that ha happens there, you know, demonic possession and all that sort of stuff, while refusing to, to believe what's going on, and it's yeah, it, it's perfect for me. It's <laughs> interesting, well, you know, exiled priest, uh, demons, yeah. and all that sort of stuff, so you it's... Know, it's... A, nice, a nice little Judas reference. Yep. Oh, yes. Um, so it's... Uh, I like that one. Um, that's mostly it for the show as well. As like I said, I went through four seasons of The Expanse, so that took a bit of time. Uh, started watching True Detective, the first season, just because I like that sort of style. It, those Matthew McConaughey and uh, Woody Harrelson are amazing together. So that's it for movies and TV shows, mostly. Um, I'm sure there's something else I can't remember now, but not that important. Uh... Gaming-wise, okay, so for computer gaming, uh, same as Paul, has pretty much been a bit of Cyberpunk 2077, uh, Grim Dawn, which Grim Dawn just had a big, huge patch come out recently, uh, which I haven't played it since. Uh, Vermintide 1 and Vermintide 2. And, wow, we learned Vermintide, their, their rankings of, uh, you know, recruit, medium, and expert, wow, we were like, oh, we can take on the higher levels. We've played games like this. Yeah, we got smoked bad. <laughs> we're, we're, we're like, recruit, recruit level. That That's good. Yeah, we're going to be recruits for a while just to see how, how it goes. It, it, it was a lesson of, yeah, we're not, we're not that good for that. Well, it doesn't uh, help that some of us are level 5, while others are like level 18. 
yes, there's that. Uh, that makes a difference. Uh, and then you have Vermintide 2, and for role-playing, uh, well, continue with uh, just last one's for Patrick, but continue in that, and then there's still the uh, the Expanse role-playing game, which I was talked about before, which is good. It's Again, it's all interesting how it started as a role-playing game way back when, became a book, you know, movie and you know, TV series, and a new role-playing game. Yep. <laughs> actually, the game is actually pretty interesting. Uh, it's Everyone knows how you, you guys know my dice rolls are notorious for failing when they shouldn't. The Expanse is one game where I actually found I actually do well <laughs> rolling. <laughs> uh, it's basically you have your attributes, stats, whatever you want to call them, um, like basically like decks, body, stuff like that. And then you don't have skills, you have focuses. So everyone has communication, uh, but you can focus on things like persuasion or stuff like that. So it just gives you bonuses to your rolls. You have 3D6. Uh, there's target numbers. The target numbers are all based on odd numbers. So, you know, 7, 9, 11, and upwards. If you roll doubles on those three dice, you can... And one dice is a special wild dice sort of idea. Um, if you roll doubles on any of those dice, you can actually use what they call stun points to improve. Similar to the idea of Star Wars, you know, when you have the, the advantages. Mm -hmm. But these ones are pretty... You actually have to f succeed before you can use them. And they've got them like a whole bunch of ideas already preset. So if you're doing an investigation, here's things you can, you know, so many points you can spend to get these bonuses or persuasions or combat or stuff like that. Uh, and again, the the last dice, the third sort of wild dice, that's one that determines how many skill or stunt points you can spend. So one point is not very much. Two, three is okay. Four, five, and six are obviously really good. So if you were doing a gun combat and you get a six stunt points, if it's just a regular guy, you can just say he's dead. I put a bolt through his head, and that's it. No, no, doesn't matter how much damage you're doing. It's like, oh, he's dead. So that's pretty handy. The problem with the stun points is, or that wild dice, there's uh, anyone who's familiar with um, the expanse. There's a thing called the churn, right, where things start to go badly after a while. Like you know, things things start to get a little wild. Well, they brought that into the game. So if you have four stun points, you go, your churn goes up. If you roll a 6, it automatically goes up. So if you have a 6 and you spend all 6 of those points, the churn goes up by 2. At every 10, there's a chance things start to go bad for you. 10, there's a chance nothing happens? Minor. At 20, it's either minor or really bad. At 30, there is no minor thing that's going to happen. It's going to be something that's going to start kicking you guys in the face. And it doesn't reset. <laughs> if you're doing a mission, you keep going past 30. It's like, well, 40, guess what's going to happen? <laughs> like, <laughs> so the first time I played it, there was just two of us. We got up to 17 churn points. <laughs> so over half, in three hours, I was able to rank it up so much. Uh, I keep saying the other person helped me, but they only put through one point. So out of 17 points, I managed to rack up 16 points. And because we're doing uh, session zero, right? So yeah. the two of us were on series. The other two were from another, are from Tycho. So when they did their own, they had the same thing. One guy cranked up 16 points all on his own. <laughs> so we're like, oh boy, when we start playing, this ought to be really interesting of how bad we can do it. Uh, but like I said, it's a lot of fun because it does have the narrative play, but it, it's actually easier for the players and the GM because you can just already have what the stun points do built into it. So you just have to go, okay, I'm going to do this. Uh, 
been running my Cyberpunk one, which is pretty interesting because it, it takes place between the original 2020 role-playing game and the new 2077 uh, computer game. But of course, everyone knows rights come into this. So in the Cyberpunk Red game, they don't they can't talk about stuff from Cyberpunk 2077 because it's a different licensing issue. <laughs> And for the 2077 game, they don't have anything from 20, the, the new Cyberpunk game because licensing. Um, but needless to say, when I'm scrolling for pictures to add to Rule 20, everything is off the, you know, obviously the new Cyberpunk 27 game. So people are like, hey, I recognize that frame playing a game. I'm like, yes, of course you recognize it because that's all there is right now on the internet. Uh, my Deadlands game is still going on pretty well. Uh, they're starting to learn more about the the weirdness in the world and the Manitous and all that sort of stuff. And uh, Dwayne and Patrick recognize, yes, I brought the big boy back, my big reverend. He's there as a sort of, every once in a while, the, the, the walking storm you don't want to get near. Ah, and, nice. Yeah, yeah well, because uh, actually in the Deadlands, the new Weird West, um, in their history of the the big the reckoners and all that he, the heroes won they managed to de defeat the reckoners close the uh the oh, areas the hunting uh, the hunting grounds and stuff the happy hunting grounds and stuff they close it off but then something magical happened and it sort of rewrote history a little bit so i i tied that in with what we did where you guys had actually beaten them remember you guys actually went in and closed off the thing and right. beaten it so I tied what you guys did to this, the new world, and had it sort of be rewritten and stuff like that. So it was a nice way to have you guys sort of also be in there a little bit as well. Right. Then the big one, as I sort of mentioned, after 20 plus years, my Roman Pendragon campaign came to an end. It was a glorious end to things. Um... Paul's character, uh, because he kept dying all the time, so I finally made him a character that couldn't die easily. He, he was Thor's son. So he's a um, demi, demi, well, quarter demigod to now, I guess. Uh. <laughs> no, he's demigod. God, Thor is a full god, and he's his, he's his son with a, with a human female, right? So that makes him a demigod. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, you're, you're right. Uh, well, I guess, yeah, Thor is, well, a god-ish. Oh, Thor's a uh, god. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, he's, so he's Thor's god, uh, son. Uh, Dev's the son of the original officer that stayed in uh, Britain. So they finally were like, okay, Ragnarok's coming, big evil, Loki's managed to manipulate Rome, and it's turning into a hellscape. So they, they go down to take on Rome, uh, have a few issues running around. One of the characters learns how to do pole vaulting. This is actually <laughs> a skill in the Celtic legend. There's a, there's a woman who taught Caluthan, uh, I can't pronounce his name, how to pole vault over walls. So he learned this skill. So there's one scene, there's a dragon coming by to do a flyby. He decides he's going to pole vault onto the dragon's back. And I'm like, okay, well, there's a big negative because you're trying to, you know, land on a moving target. He fumbled his role and it ended up in, I'm like, okay, you fumbled. 
fuck it, you're in its mouth. <laughs> and then, so he starts stabbing it from the inside, and then it's trying to chew him. It's back and forth, like, chew, stab, chew, stab. So he actually kills it, which I'm like, okay, you do realize you killed a uh, creature that's flying. <laughs> so it crashed. He actually he survived, but it was, it was one of those ones he, he critted his role uh, to to show off how you know his energetic to see if he's still able to walk around and he critted that so he's like yep look at me and then he gave a speech and critted exactly the same thing for his speech to the people so everyone's like this is great and <laughs> then they kept going forward uh, and Paul and I had talked earlier today because we were setting stuff up and I figured it's Ragnarok Thor's son this is perfect. Paul's character will sacrifice or kill himself or die in a way to save everybody, and it'll be a great, glorious death. And Paul was like, that sounds good, you know. And uh, how else was he going to die? Well, the thing is, and no Viking wants to die of old age, right? Like, that's right. A, Vikings are like, I don't want to die of old age. I mean, I, I would have outlived my grandkids. Exactly. Like, seriously. So that's, that, was the, that was like, okay, that's the idea. Now, dice rolling, I'm going to... I didn't fluff any dice roll. Nope. And but they run across like they're fighting undead legion and a whole bunch of other stuff which is they're doing okay they're slowly winning and then out comes Surtur the big huge bad of Ragnarok and he's doing the uh, he's so big he's doing the thing from um, Sauron from Lord of the Rings I swing my big thing and it hits a whole bunch of people and they go flying so of course the PC step up to the plate to, to get this done uh, the first three, one, three of us, yeah. First one is this picked, who's like eighty years old almost by now. Who's <laughs> like, and, I he, and, he, and who survived the dragon? Survived the dragon. He actually does. <laughs> he, you know, he takes it a little bit, but then gets hit, and he's like almost dead, but unconscious. He's still alive, just not doing well. And then there's uh, Bruce's character, who's son of the aspect of war, because Patrick set that whole thing up. Thank you, Patrick. It's still there. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> um, and he's like, I can take this, so. And Thor and, and Paul's character is there, and Dev is, Dev's like, I'm I'm a Roman guy, I can do this, I'm the smallest person here, but I'm, I'm getting my job done. Uh, the big guy hits, hits Bruce with the full attack, not the sweeping one, but just one against him. And it was... There was, was little bits of Bruce was, everywhere. Yeah, he was so <laughs> and what's funny is, I didn't know how bad he was. He's just like, oh, I'm, I'm dead. So I'm like, okay, well, someone comes, runs up to do first aid to you, which is basically, you know, quick, a quick patch and gives you a couple of points. He's like, okay, now I'm, uh, I'm 21 below now. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So yeah. two points I just gave you aren't really going to like to. Here, have a potion. Get one more point back. Um, Dev got uh, knocked unconscious. Again, he had received first aid beforehand, so he didn't die. He was just two points away from being dead because of the first aid he'd received earlier. Yeah, that was super lucky. Uh, Paul managed to do, at the very end, enough crits versus the, my guy not getting the crits that he actually beat him. Yeah, my glorious death didn't happen. Didn't happen. <laughs> oh, I, I, uh, I rewrote the ending where because Thor in Ragnarok faces off against the uh, the the world serpent. Well, there was more to it then. Then you set you set myself and Dev up against Loki. Yes, to fight Loki. Yeah, to fight Loki, which is 
And then I forgot I'd given Dev a thing which allowed him to see past Loki. Yeah, you're, you're you're like okay, well there's there's a fifty fifty chance he won't hit Loki because he's the god of like oh, uh, yes, illusions yes. and shit. Oh, Loki's going to Dev down. Yes, yes, yes. So you're like you're like, if I roll odd, you don't hit him. If I roll even, you do hit him. And so that went for the first round, and then Dev's like, "Wait, don't I have an item that lets me see through Loki's illusions?" That's like, something fuck. we picked up uh, twenty, uh, fifteen oh. years earlier, I think, yeah, when yeah, Loki yeah. was first like, introduced. Yeah, yeah. A, a while ago, and and I'm like, I'm like, well, I don't have that that thing, so I'm gonna hit exactly where where Dev hits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you go first, and I'm gonna go afterwards. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you're gonna get a negative, but he did it, and yeah. So at the end, yeah, uh, Loki Dev did go down. And then yep. it was sort of like, oh, this could go very badly. But yep. luckily, you rolled an even number, which means yes. I hit him. Yep, exactly. And, and then he just dis he just poofed away. He poofed Loki. away. Um, and then uh, I had Thor show up, give his hammer to Paul's character, and then die because of the poison from the the, the world you, serpent. That was that was before we fought Loki, because I had Milner during the fight. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, after Surtur, Thor shows up, gives him the hammer. And then dies in his arms. So what? Basically, instead of Paul dying gloriously at the end, he gets called up by Odin to take the place of Thor and be the new god of thunder. And yeah. Dev's uh, Dev's character is alive, looking around at the destroyed Rome, going, "Wow, was it really worth it? Was my dad's dream, ambition, worth this?" And yeah, of course it was. I'm, I'm Emperor of Rome, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, you're like, okay, I'm gonna give my brother my other lands in oh, he, oops, Britain. He didn't, oh, but oh, he didn't make it. He, he didn't, make, didn't it. make it. Oh, although the other scene I did do was the Paul's wife was at the battle and she shows up at the end, like in from Men of Steel, where there's a whole destroyed city and they kiss. Like, look at this. <laughs> we're, we're kissing well, and the whole bunch of dead people are around it. Yeah. <laughs> Although to be honest with you, she uh she's the Valkyrie, so she's used to a lot of death, so it's like yeah. Yeah, and and she had nothing to complain about with me. I gave her more daughters than anyone in the history of the world. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yep, twins every year, always daughters. Just about just about every year and and it's like you roll odd numbers for the sex of the kid and I didn't have any bonuses or things or fudge any of them. They literally were all odd numbers. Yeah, so except for, yeah, I think except for like three, three out of my twenty-six kids I had with her or something. <laughs> like he's got a litter. <laughs> but then, and then that was the that was the end. So I have to do a a write up and a uh, thing like that for uh, for everyone just to put up. Uh, yeah. But that was it. It was uh, twenty some odd years in the making, and uh, I think it went out pretty well. Um, the the, the the picked lived in the very end, and but he's just gonna retire in his hmm. old age home. No, he's not. He's going into the Shadowlands to fight off the dark. Yeah, I know. The dark I know. He's not done. That yet. is his old age home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm still at different. Pe different people have different views on retirement. Okay? <laughs> well, and Dev Dev's got to got to fight war for, in wars for the rest of his existence. Yep. Yeah. There's no yeah, retirement for me. You know, he aligned himself. This will help me. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but... he aligned himself. That's right. Hey, listen, yeah. I became a disciple of war. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you found a new god. No peace for you. No, so that was, uh, overall, it was it was a lot of fun. And uh, and Patrick, your, your guys actually had some Egyptians in, in there in the fight as well. <laughs> They're all dead. 
<laughs> Actually, they probably are. Yes, probably are. Um, yeah. <laughs> most people died. It was it was not not a fun battle. And that's it for uh, for me. All right. Okay. On to me. Um, I've got a bunch of stuff I want to talk about, but none of them are role playing or video games because video games I haven't played anything other than uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven and um, oh fuck, why do I always forget the name of this game? Rim Dawn. Rim Rim World. Rim World. So I play a lot of Rim World, and I finally, after two hundred and eighty two hours, have finished the the main campaign with my first character and including all the side missions, all the side quests, basically everything except purchasing every vehicle. The only thing I haven't done is purchased like I think seven of the vehicles that are still out there. But other than that, I have completed the game 100%. And uh, I feel pretty good about it. Um, I really enjoyed the game. I'm happy that, uh, that I went through and I can't wait to start a second character and at least go through the main storyline with one of the other um, uh, origins because they change how you interact with the world and your worldview and so a lot of the conversations you have during missions um are modified by what your what your starting origin is so i'm looking forward to what kind of subtle changes there are going to be with uh character interactions and, and that kind of thing so um loving that game uh for role-playing games all my the same games i've been talking about for the past year are all still going on so with the exception of Pat's Pendragon campaign that just finished, uh, I'm still running my three Star Wars games. Uh, I still have my Heroes Unlimited game with my um, uh, The Force Is Not Always With You group, and those are still going strong. So the things I actually want to talk about, um, I picked up a new series of audiobooks on the Amazon, or sorry, on the Audible app. Uh, they're all written by the same author, J.S. Morin. He created this space opera universe called um, uh, The Black Ocean, I think it's called. And so the first book is actually a series of 16 books called Galaxy Outlaws. And then the second one is called um, Astral Prime. That's another 16 book series. And then the third 16 book series is called um, uh, Mercy for Hire. So all three of these 16 book series have been uh, put together into a single uh, like 30 hour long audiobook uh, collection. And so I picked mm -hmm. up all three of those on Audible and um, I'm just starting the very first one, which is uh, the Galaxy Outlaws. And the cool thing about this is it's a lot like Star Wars. So there's bounty hunters, there's people, there's like an evil empire that kind of rules everything. But uh, all technology is driven by magic. So um, gra gravity is a magical um, construct. Um, space travel is all done through magic um all technology works because of magic so uh, it's it's a really cool mixing of kind of magical genres and uh and sci-fi tropes so i'm, I'm really looking forward to the series that'd be uh, a nice role-playing game too then yeah it, it would be pretty interesting if someone came up with a role-playing game for this so i'm really enjoying that um, as for uh, movies, I watched uh, Wonder Woman 84. Uh, I don't think we had a chance to talk about that. It's not bad. Um, it, it was it was okay as far as like an, a cool action flick goes. Um, I, I liked um, Pablo, whatever his name is, the guy who plays as the Mandalorian. He plays the main bad guy in, in Wonder Woman 84, and he does an excellent job. It's like the, the movie is weird because it deals with kind of like wish fulfillment and, and wish giving powers. And so the kind of motivations are weird. Anyway, it's, it's a weird movie, but eh, whatever. It was fun. It was enjoyable. Uh, Jen and I watched this heartbreaking documentary called My Octopus Teacher 
on I think that was on Amazon Prime, um, where it's this filmmaker who's he's a documentarian and he's kind of burnt out making documentaries. He just hated the thought of even going and doing another documentary or getting behind the camera. So he retired to like his sister's um, or family cabin somewhere on an island somewhere. Anyway, uh, so he spent every day just going into the ocean and he loved the ocean. And so he was kind of just unplugging and relaxing. And he ran across this little octopus and he, and he went back the next day and it was still there. So he decided, you know what, I'm going to actually film about this octopus and uh, got like a little underwater camera. And so every day over the course of, I think, one year, he went back to, to hang out with this octopus. And it's a beautiful story. It's, it's uplifting. And the end is a little tragically heartbreaking. But it, it, was, it was a great movie. But tear up. Did you tear up? Of course I did. I bawled like a, like a kid at the end. <laughs> It was really good. It was really good. Um, another movie that we saw was called The Hard Way. I think it's a two-year-old movie came out in uh, 2018. Uh, it's Michael Jai White who avenges the death of his brother. <laughs> I will watch any movie with Michael Jai White. It is, he is so funny. And this was a killer action movie that I think everyone would enjoy. And the last one is called Hold the Dark. I think this was on Netflix that we saw it. Um, it takes place in uh, the Arc. No, in, in Alaska. Not so, not quite the Arctic, but but in in the the frozen wilderness of Alaska, there's a small town where uh, three kids have been have gone missing, and they're suspected that they were killed by wolves. So this mom, who then has his six year old boy missing, um, gets in touch with a an author who kind of has dealt with wolves and written about wolf mentality, uh, asks and begs him basically to come to to town and track his kid. And then the movie just gets weird. <laughs> uh, it's... Uh, so is this on Netflix, you said? Uh, I think this is on Netflix, yes. What's it called, sir? Hold the Dark. It is very good. It's it's kind of like a slow burn slow burn thriller. Yeah. Uh, Alexander Skargard is in it from um, True Blood fame, who plays Eric the Viking in True Blood. One of my, yeah. one of my absolute it, favorite characters. It he, is on Netflix, okay. He is a brutal character in this. He is awesome, but holy fuck is he messed up. All right, that's going to go on my uh, to-watch list. It is, it is definitely a... a, a definitely sit, sit down and watch this. It is fucked up, and it is amazing. And then mm -hmm. at the end, tell me what you think the relationship between Alexander Skarsgård and the woman are, because okay. I, I can't figure out if that's her husband or her brother. All right. Uh, so for TV, um, I, uh, the season three of Sabrina came out and we watched that. That was great. I'm really enjoying Sabrina, the teenage witch or the, whatever the, the new Sabrina is called. Uh, Last season. was that the final ever season? Yep. Oh, that's too bad. I really, really enjoyed that. It almost felt like there was a, there was a, um, a cliffhanger where they were, they were talking about or hinting at a season four, but, uh, I'm, I might be thinking of something else. I really enjoyed it. Um, if it's if that was the end of it, I'm sad that it's gone. I really, really liked that show. Uh, it was definitely the end of it. Okay. We also watched the third season of Cobra Kai. That was amazing. Um, uh, went through it in, like, I think two days. And <laughs> immediately, because that really does end on a cliffhanger, uh, setting up a, a guaranteed season four. And, of course, yeah. who knows how long we're going to have to wait for season four to come out. Um, I'm, oh, fuck, that is such a great show. I love that show. Uh, we did watch The Queen's Gambit, 
and uh, you know a lot of people are um, kind of getting back into chess because of this uh, Queen's Gambit show. Uh, Mac, you would talk about this in our last episode and uh, and recommended it, so we we sat down and gave it a shot, and it was great. It was, it was really enjoyable. Yeah. And apparently, Jen went through it again um, a second time on her own with the the sound off, just kind of in the background as she was doing other things or like falling asleep or something. I don't know why, what she was doing, but every once in a while I'd go back upstairs after, you know, having a game or something downstairs and, um, and just catch her watching the Queen's Gambit a second time, but like not, not actually watching it just in the background. Uh, my buddy Terry, who is one of my uh, Thursday night players and one of my American buddies that I met on Geek Nation tour tours, uh, introduced me to a, a, the first season, at least, of a show called Ted Lasso, and this this is about uh, like a collegiate level um, amateur, basically uh, high school or sorry, a f- American football coach gets hired by a British football team to be their head coach, like and, and a Premier League British football team hires him to be their head coach, and he doesn't really coach the way you you think. He's more like a manager. He's more like a inspirational speaker than anything else. But he's such like a, a happy, nice, positive person. Even though like his own life is kind of in the in the in the in the toilet, um, he's getting separated from his family, from his wife, and left his kid behind uh, in America while he moved to the states, and kind of give him distance so that they could kind of see where they they wanted their lives to go. Uh, so he, even though that's going on in the background, he's such like a nice, sweet person that you can't help root for him, and. Uh, and it all comes down to like the very last game of the the season if they're if that team is going to be relegated or not. And it is so good. It's so good. Um, and it's it's one of those kind of uplifting um, shows. So that that was excellent. I really can't wait for season two of that. Hopefully there is a season two. We also watched a show called Young Wallander, which is um, I want to say British. Yeah, that's short of my feed as well. Uh, and it's basically a prequel. Or supposed to be a prequel to uh, a series of books, I think, that were about um, the the more mature detective Wallander. This is he's a police officer at this point, and he kind of gets promoted to the um, the detective squad um, just because he has some some local knowledge about an area where where uh, the events of the show are, are happening. And so there's this big investigation about a um, like a terrorist attack on some immigrants, and there's all this anti-immigrant sen- sentiment being kind of um, uh, built up in the media, and so it's all kind of coming to a head, and people are getting murdered, and so he gets put on this investigative team because he has local area knowledge, and um, it was really good. It was really good. I love British uh, cop shows, and this was an excellent one of those. Are you watching any British uh, gangster movies? Because I know that's you're like me. You like those ones, too. Uh, I haven't recently. Um, I haven't watched really British movies in a while. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm certainly open to it if, if you have a good one that you want to recommend. I haven't. No, you say I, was, that's just, I, was, I haven't seen one either. So I was like, oh, maybe Dev's got one I can watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, like I said, I'm also watching Alice in Borderland. I think I'm four episodes in so far, so I haven't seen the end yet. But it's, it's brutal but enjoyable. Uh, and then another one I want to talk about it, this is another one of those kind of um, uh, it's it's based off of I think maybe novels or this may have been like another animated TV show that that got turned into novels and then got turned into a a full blown live action game or um, uh, TV show called Fate 
and it deals with um, a bunch of fairies who are going to, like, I guess, a college-level university, uh, a fairy university. So it's kind of like Harry Potter. It's kind of like uh, The Magicians. Uh, it, it deals with the same kind of themes. There's this big bad something happening in the background, and these kids are being taught magic in order to, or taught to hone their innate fairy magic in order to combat this this evil and then there's you know some people on the inside who are actually working for the big bats they they try to sabotage things from the inside uh it's it's an interesting series but mainly it just deals with um a group of four girls who live in a dorm together and uh are they come from like very different worlds each one of them is a different type of fairy so that one of them is like an earth fairy one of them is a fire fairy that's the main character one of them is a mind fairy so she can read people's thoughts and the other fairy her magic power is about illusion so the four of them kind of become reluctant friends and uh, are fighting against this this big bad that's happening in the background so it's, it's a bit of you know high school drama it's a bit of um girl issues and the and the kind of uh, competitiveness that happens between them and it's a bit about magic and it's a bit about uh fighting this big bad evil it's it, it's it's pretty good i i really enjoyed it um I, I i went through it in like i think two or three days it was it was that good apparently you would have hated it if you'd read the uh this, the uh, I think it's either Magna or whatever that it was based off of, and I, then they I turned think... it into an animated series, which destroyed it. Then, and then they made it into this live action series, which further destroyed it from what it was originally supposed to be. Okay, well, luckily I don't, I, don't, I know nothing about the the source material. I I only know the the end product, and that was yeah. very enjoyable. Like I really liked okay. it. And then the last thing I want to talk about is the show SWAT. Uh, which is a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic cop action show, where um, it's it's all about. I, I'm not sure it'll pick up your enthusiasm there, Dev. You're you're pretty low key there. Yeah, uh, I love the show. It's super, super high octane action, uh, but they're decent people, and they they don't go out of their way to just murder people. Um, so they use a lot of non-lethal um, tactics. They use a lot of talking people down. They don't just walk in guns Wait, blazing. What? I know. It's it's the opposite of regular cop shows that you used to see in the 80s and 90s where they yeah. would just blast people away. This or is, even originally bad boys for life, say? Yeah, exactly. It's it, This is kind of the opposite of that. Um, they, they really do go out of their way to to either bring people in peacefully if they can or use non-lethal but un unless there there are people who are trying to murder them in which case they have no problem putting people down so it's it's, it's a good mixture of um of kind of like a day in the life of swat officers and there's three seasons of that which jen and i have blown through in the past i think three weeks just watching it in the evenings i think that's it for me i think i'm done yeah uh, i don't think there's anything else i want to talk about yeah <laughs> All right, so let's move on to segment two, news and rumors. But before we do that, let's do our, what I normally forget to do, our shout out of the month. This mm -hmm. week's shout out is going to go out to Aisha. Um, actually. Oh. Nope. It's going to be Joe from Extreme Gaming Tabletop. You perhaps extreme you mean Extreme Tabletop, tabletop Gaming? Gaming, yes. Well, <laughs> the, the person signed down is actually the Extreme Gamer. Oh, okay. Extreme Gaming. So, but it is uh, Extreme Gamer Joe from Extreme Tabletop. Uh, gaming community. Oh, whoa! Um, there you go. Shout out to our new, our latest uh, Patreon member, Extreme Tabletop Joe. 
There you go, hey. uh, Joe. Sorry, hey, actually, we uh, we we thought it was going to yeah. be you this week, but uh, we got a new uh, Patreon backer. So uh, I think it's Dev from the last time you and I did the Kelso Run combo thing there, where we we're talking about all the stuff they get to do when they become Patreon members. Yes, that convinced Joe to join on because oh, he'd like to, he'd like to be part of our monthly Patreon gaming thing, which we're hoping people will start mention you know talking to us about. Uh, uh, yes, I, th- I think I'm I'm I'm. Almost prepared to start the, uh, the the invitations out to all of our Patreon members who are at that at that backer level. Um, okay. Hopefully for uh, the middle of February, possibly uh, maybe like in three or four weeks from now. But anyway, so invites yeah. will be going. Um, and if you want to take part in this monthly Patreon only backer Patreon backer only game that we're running, um, just come on in at the twenty dollar level, and uh, and I'll help you make a character, and then we'll start a new. Or adventure. I will. It's, it's either Dev or myself will run. No, no. Um, well, like yeah. Dev will run a game, or I and, and yeah. or I will run a game. So yes, you can partake exactly. in either one because you're a twenty dollars backer. Right. Anyway, uh, let's move on to segment two: news and rumors. Um, I have one that I want to talk about. Actually, I think I have two that I want to talk about, but I think I might be forgetting the first one uh, or the second one. The first one I want to talk about is. Um, uh, the Sandman series by Neil Gaiman has, oh, yes. has finally been cast. The casting ah, has been announced. And yes. uh, so that means they're going to start working on um, the actual principal photography soon, which means hopefully we'll see it by the end of the year. I'm, I'm not sure when they're actually actually going to have it out and ready, but uh, I'm super looking forward to this. Neil Gaiman is one of my favorite authors, and the Sandman mm-hmm. series is phenomenal. Uh, I'll uh, see if I can remember I what my second one is. Uh, well, I, I have an interesting one. It's, it's funny. It's sort of so. Remember how we we're talking about Thorin and all that? There is it's, it's, it's Marvel. There's now a Marvel meat hammer. <laughs> it's Mjolnir, but based as a a a meat hammer, you know, to soften up your meat. Okay. A meat tenderizer. <laughs> yeah, which which got the quote from, you know, whoever holds this hammer, if, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. And then the other uh, also one goes, this meat tenderizer will take your food prep from, uh, take your food prep to hero. Use responsibility. Nice. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's that's really cool. <laughs> it's mm. like, and it's actually in a, a box that has that Marvel the Avengers and everything, so... Uh, and the new one is also, well, Dev, I'm sure you haven't seen it, but there is a trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong, which they've been building up with for a while now for the monster universe, uh, shared universe idea. Yeah, I think we linked that on our Facebook page. Um, we did, yes. Yeah. I, think so. I know you haven't watched the trailer. I haven't, no. Um, the only thing I can say is, well, again, one size seems to fit all. It's like, shouldn't Kong be smaller than Godzilla? <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I, I understand where they have to sort of do things for the you know, have a somewhat of a reasonable fight because you're based off the idea of what uh, the size of Godzilla is supposed to be versus how big Kong's supposed to be. Like Kong would actually be like half the size of Godzilla. Yeah. So, uh, but obviously they had to work that out to make it a little bit more equal. So they still have you know a lot of the human stuff. I'm not sure how it's going to go. It does look pretty good. You're seeing a fair amount of monsters, which is what people complain about in the first Godzilla. They didn't see enough monsters. You're going to see a lot of that now. A lot of monsters in in the, the last movie. Yeah. 
but a lot of it also the fight scenes in the last movie were taking place like in dark or dusty areas or stuff so it wasn't fully visible sometimes the fighting that was going on yeah okay. this one just from the trailer uh it looks it's pretty good so that's all i got really right now okay anyone else uh, well, I'm uh, taking a look at the Paizo page right now related to uh, Pathfinder 2 and mid-March, so next month, they've got the Beastery 3 coming out. Um, in July, they've got Secrets of Magic, which is uh, going to be throwing on a whole bunch of new spells and interesting or introducing two new classes, uh, Magus and uh, Summoner class. And then there's also, in September, going to be Pathfinder Guns and Gears. So not just sword and sorcery, you get some uh, black powder and uh, steam power going. Which uh, sounds like it should really fit into the campaign that I'm running very well. So I'll be looking forward to that one. You, you keep going in and out, Patrick. You've got to enunciate more. I, I've got to enunciate. Okay, so yeah. uh, I was saying there's... Uh, it, was, three... it was funny. I was, I was thinking about the guns one that's coming out and uh that uh chris if we ever get him back playing again might like to revamp his guy to, yep. take, to take advantage well i have been seeing uh, some talk about it and there is the uh, gunfighter class that's coming up in it and apparently that's actually more of a support character than a frontline fighter type character well that's too bad yeah um uh, but yeah it, so we're going to have official rules on firearms and uh, and see how that goes. It also includes a character, uh, the uh, Inventor, uh, which I would assume is more of a steampunk version of the Alchemist. Well, that actually would be cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, that lots of uh, exciting stuff going on with, uh, with Pathfinder, I guess. Good. It's nice to see that it's not, you know, like a... We, we put it out, and now it's a dead system. Oh, no. Well, Paizo doesn't do that. They they support the crap out of the stuff that they put out. Yeah. I don't really have much of anything. Um, I'll note that, uh, that Warners has apparently given a release date for the Snyder Cut of JLA. Um, if you hear yawning, that will just inform you of how interested I am in that particular bit of news, but uh, but there is that. Um, it's been kind of a quiet month, really. Well, to be expected, everyone was kind of out for the holidays the last uh, three weeks of the year, so yeah. and you know, COVID, everything's on lockdown anyway, so we, we have very little information actually coming out. All right, uh, shall we move on then to segment three? And, Do we have anything uh, Yeah, three? Pat, you'd come up with, uh, with something for segment three, something about the um, uh, the PCification of video games? Uh, well, no. Actually, it was racism in D&D. Oh, yeah, it was D&D. Okay. Yeah, this is uh, because of a, a recent uh, article in Wired Magazine about the inherent racism of, well, fantasy tabletop uh, in general. Um, now, uh, you did send me that video about, uh, you know, PC yes. uh, Warcraft. <laughs> well, it's, it's uh, from, like, they're comedians, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that, that was kind of after the point in the first place, right? 
because this stuff is based on Tolkien and uh, so on, and there was an inherent racism involved in the uh, in those stories to start with, uh, because you look at the description of the orcs and uh, they're very uh, Asiatic Mongol horde kind of a description. Uh, the fact that the drow are all black, so I mean that's something that's come up uh, quite a bit when uh, when discussing it. But you know, the the evil races that are just inherently evil. Um, well, that's a failing of D and D for with the alignments. I've always felt. Yeah. Well, yeah. There there is the alignment part, but also you know, orcs are going to be the bad guys. That's well, because they're inherently evil, according to the alignment setup. Yeah. Yes, but it's the combination of the alignment setup with races that is the problem. Well, they're supposed right. to be, well, well, originally they're also supposed to be monster races, right? You weren't supposed to play yeah. an orc. They were a monster race trying to yeah. eat you yeah, and kill you. but they're a monster race that forms societies that are obviously intelligent. They speak a language, and yet they're all evil. Yeah. So, if you met Mongols from way back when, from the days of Genghis Khan, you would consider them evil. Unless you were one. Yeah, but in Unless today's of... world, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I, I was actually thinking about it, and uh, the one system I can think of that kind of, well, that does get it right is Earthdawn. You've yeah. got all these different races, but none of them are inherently evil. They certainly have the potential to be evil, uh, but a character, an individual, isn't guaranteed to be evil just because they come from that race. Yeah. Um, I think in Earthon, the only race that kind of gets looked down on are orcs, so that's because they were or a what? slave race. You, orcs. You, you, you keep, you got to, Patrick, sorry. Was no, orcs, because orcs. they were a slave race in the past. There we go. You don't right. have to eat the mic, just project more your voice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, if you're wanting to take the racism out of uh, out of a tabletop game, I think Earth Dawn is actually a pretty good model to follow on how to do that. Mm. Yeah. So. <laughs> Dev, do you have a comment on that? I mean, I don't really. I I think it's. Do we, is it is this really that big of an issue? Um, I, I just don't know that it is, but that, that could just be because of my own personal biases that I haven't uh, taken time to kind of delve into yet. So I don't know, maybe it, maybe it is a huge issue to some people. I, I just don't see it. And I don't understand why people are making are turning it into an issue. Like it seems like something people are going out of their way to be offended by. Well, it, it has a, a lot to do with, uh, with, with D and D when black lives matter was coming out. Uh, D and D decided we're going to be much more diverse, and uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything was was supposed to be, or had the promise of of taking on this new, more diverse aspect of the game. Uh, and uh, as far as that aspect of it goes, it's been very Tasha's has been very lackluster, and so people are saying, "Well, you promised this. Let you know. Let's really do something about it." Don't don't just kind of pretend that you've done something without really making any serious changes at all. I mean, but what kind of serious changes are they looking for? 
Well, uh, like what? What will please these people? Taking out the inherent evilness, uh, I think of of some of these races. Um, like I would say that you could go and say that the culture that they come from is evil, but that they're not an inherently evil race to start with. Like they're not e evil just because they're coming from that race. Okay, so uh, maybe you find like a uh, an enclave somewhere where they haven't been corrupted by evil powers, and so there are a bunch of orcs that are good orcs. Yeah, or at least orcs that are just trying to survive and are not trying to eat everybody's head doing it. But that's the kind of stuff that's done through storytelling. It doesn't have to be like an official stance of the uh, of the company. Actually, it kind of does, uh, at least in my opinion, because the last thing. The last thing you want is for someone of a different ethnicity to look at the official thing and find that, so, you know, what, but a game what, that has, most, what most closely reflects their ethnicity is, you know, evil barbarians that everybody, you know, needs to kill. <laughs> in D&D, &D, yeah. you can play a, a, a Teethling, which is a demon-associated race that comes is descended from demons. You can play Minotaurs, you can play Half-Orcs, you can play Dwarves, you can play Dark Dwarves, you can play Drow and all that. That should be inclusive. Like, you get to play these races. Like, and then you, yeah, as, but, you as a yeah. player character are, are maybe not that. And that's, yeah. that's perfectly fine. Like this is this is stuff that really is is covered through storytelling. Yeah, but it's also covered in background. I mean, like the you know, the Drow are an evil empire looking to take over everything because they're right. And by in, dark in that setting, God. they are basically the only black people, and you have the rare odd exception oh, like oh, Drizdorden. Hold on, that's that's not necessarily a, a, a thing, True. though. I mean, there there are there are entire um, uh, there's there's a, a continent in the Forgotten Realms that's basically like an African continent. So there are yeah. there are black humans in in that universe, and the Drow yeah. aren't black humans. The Drow may happen to be have black skins, but that doesn't mean they're equated with with Africans that we as we know them. Yeah. There there yeah, there are I, I know, but like you you the can't thing you is, can't, is you can't read our um, species or our our human races into what are actually different species, so completely yeah, different. But, and also, but, the Drow thing, controlled the by thing is, Law, is, the dark evil goddess, like yeah, yeah the demon I, god. Yeah, she's I know. But, goddess. <laughs> like this is why they're evil. She yeah. controls them. Look, I'm not saying that I fully understand it because it's not my experience it's not my perception or whatever but when enough people who are from you know a definitely different experience than mine look at this and start questioning all these things that we just take for granted you know i, I do kind of think we need to listen because it's it's way too easy i mean one of my favorite examples currently. Um, any of you guys use Firefox? Nope. Yep. Well, 
current versions of Firefox, if you've locked it down, you now have a primary password. It used to be master password. And I, you know, I never thought a thing of it. But to someone whose history includes slavery, you know, the very word master. Well, that that's not new. Not, that goes on for a long time for any file structure. Yeah, right? I know, I know. But the thing is, is that it's just a question. It is a question of perspective. And, you know, I never thought a thing of it. It's the master password. It's the one password to rule them all. But you look at it from the perspective of a history that includes slavery, yeah. being slaves. Well, this is where they had the master root, the, you know, and it's like, yeah, yeah the, you the, know, the, so the slave of this, like that doesn't work well. And I, but I've always thought that for like a long know, time that they should and, change the structure, the name and of that. And so you have people who, you know, believe in the hobby and everything, but are looking at it from a more critical eye because of their background, their ethnicity, their history, and that, well, I mean, I've got a lot of blind spots. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think a lot of people do. And so, you know, you've got to accept that. I think, I really do think you got to accept that their point of view may have a point. Um, Pathfinder 2E, for example, doesn't have races. Yeah, it's got our archetypes. It, and backgrounds. Yeah. Ancestries. Yeah. And that, which is not quite as charged. It's still quite accurate. I mean, like, it is all about your ancestry. Yeah. But taking the word race out of it, since race is extremely charged yeah. these days, um, well, it's also only—it's not a bad thing. I don't it's, think it's not that old a word either, right? Race itself is only a couple hundred years old as a word. But, yeah, but I mean, I, I, I do think that there is a tremendous potential for um, role-playing games as a whole, not just D&D, although it is still the best-known one, yeah, um, to be a very inclusive space. Absolutely. 100% should be. Everyone should feel welcome at a table. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, like, there's a player um, in my Earth Dawn West marches. Uh, they call themselves Montag. Um, they play a character named William. Uh, the voice is obviously what I would characterize as female, but they have never specified in any way how they identify, which is why when I'm talking about them, I usually tend to use they. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that, but, you know, it's a voice chat tabletop game. It doesn't matter. You know, you don't know, and yeah. you just play, and I think that's a, a really good thing. Yep. And well, so, if, if, yeah, I'm. Just, it's just if folks who have experienced the type of prejudice that I can only imagine are coming up with suggestions as to how 
RPGs can be a more inclusive space, then I want to listen. Well, your, your example, Dwayne, is really interesting because transgender issues is probably the one diversity issue where role-playing games have been way ahead of the curve because right from the get-go, you can find your character under the right magic having their gender changed. And, well, that's just it. You're now yeah, being yeah. a... What? What? I mean, like, God, what was it? Second Ed, uh, the belt of femininity, masculinity, or yep. something like that? Yeah. It's, it's an old magic item. I forgot uh, about I think, that. Un unfortunately. many things, or... I was going to say, unfortunately, officially, that's a cursed item, and uh, without knowing about it, if you put the belt on without identifying it, your your sex gets automatically changed to a new race, and then you can't take it off. So it, yeah. it, it started off as a curse, but um, there's there's no reason why that has to be the only application of that magic. Yeah. Well, that yeah. plus, even if it is a curse, it's still not having any major effects on your character. Right. Okay, it's cosmetic. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely been progress made as far as uh, trying to avoid sexism. I realize that uh, it can still be a real problem. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, somewhat misogynistic gaming store slash comic store, or whatever, is still a very real thing, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, anyways, uh, luckily, you know, they did away with stuff in D&D, like you used to have different ability stats, whether your character was male or female. True. That's gone now. And they got well, rid of that. Well, it was different stats, but you had different maximums. Yeah. And minimums. Actually, when it first started, there was no difference between male or female. That got introduced later on when they were like, okay, if you're female this, you can have, yeah, the modifiers and stuff. But originally when it first started, there was no difference for male or female. Yeah. It was... Well, this, because yeah, people yeah. tended not to be playing female in the first place. I don't think... Well, yes, but... Many... Sorry, Patrick? Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't have anything more to add at this point. Oh, okay. Okay, well, um, since we've kind of talked that to death, should we just say thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time? I guess so. We can so do that. Good Unless someone has I anything else they want to talk about. Paul, you've been really quiet. No, I got nothing, though, sadly. <laughs> He's like, I got nothing, man. I ain't got nothing. I really don't. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So well, we, we will then. It's been fun, guys. Yeah. See you next time. Uh, thank Bye, you for joining everyone. us. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Out of the Basement podcast. We'd like to thank Radio Free Music for our intro and outro music. Both songs were done by an amazing artist named Silent Partner. The intro music is called Drop and Roll, and the outro music is called Grand Navy Plaza. And we'll have links to both those songs in our show notes. If you liked what you heard and wish to support the show, please consider becoming a backer on Patreon. We can be found at patreon.com slash OOTBpod. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.